Turn your empties into sport opportunities. You can give a local child the gift of sport just by donating your empties to the Kids Sport Recycling Program. All you have to do is text or call 403-680-8776 to schedule your first pickup, and we will pick up your empties right from your curb. Get started today and help get local children back to sport. Text or call 403-680-8776 now. This podcast is provided in part by Sport Calgary, partners of Kids Sport Calgary. Sport Calgary, tired of searching dozens of websites for local sports events? Visit www.sportcalgary.ca and find hundreds of local events, everything from community gatherings to summer camps to tournaments. Welcome back to the Face First podcast. My name is Grace Dafo. And I'm Alicia Rifling. And uh, we have a little bit of a, another, it's not as much of a hot take, more just an Olympic wrap-up, right as, uh, you know, we're at the tail end of Tokyo. By the time this airs, it'll probably be over. Um, but we wanted to chat through some of our highlights. And not just Canadian highlights, just overall highlights. Yeah, I mean, every with every Olympics, there's always so many heartwarming or amazing feats that happen and and it's kind of nice to go through them and I mean I'm sure in this little time that we're going to talk about it we won't even catch all of them because we we definitely get the biased media and and hear about the Canadian ones but there's obviously some other big ones to talk about as well yeah and I would say just touching on the Canadians quickly is that we had a incredibly successful Olympics um with seven golds and 24 medals total um six silver 11 bronze thank you alicia alicia's very prepared um and this so and after a year of intense lockdowns delays you know i think it's to highlight that like they even to those that didn't medal like they made it to the olympics which is still an incredible feat in itself after let alone having to quarantine and we're going to chat through some of our highlights yeah and i think that's one of the ones i wanted to start with was just being Canadian, and we we had a, an episode a couple weeks back leading into the Olympics, and just how much harder it kind of seemed for Canadian athletes to get those competitions in, to get your training in. Um, lockdowns in our country were substantial compared to some other countries, and uh, for a lot of us, our training was not considered exempt. And the person I want to start with is the the man who went on to essentially be the best athlete at the Olympic Games. I assume you're talking about Damian Warner, <laughs> Decathlon, correct? Yeah. yeah. So the, for people who don't watch track and field, Decathlon is 10 events. So basically you're considered the best all-around athlete if you can win the Decathlon because you have to be good at everything. And Damian Warner uh, faced some, some adversity. He was one of the athletes, and don't quote me on this, that uh, did stay in Canada for most of his training. He's got a newborn at home. Uh, with his wife, they were training out of uh, London, 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 Ontario. Yeah. And uh, actually, I think a lot of athletes that medaled came from London. That was a pretty substantial stat as well. Um, and he was training. The, the, the joke that I read was uh, the day that the decathlon, the two days, it's a, two, they do five events a day over the two days. And, and uh, I think at the track, the reading was plus 35. And then with the humid X factor, it made the, the, the heat, the heat, the real fact, the real feel, um, over 40, 44 oh. degrees. And he trained the entire winter in a hockey rink. They set up a high jump and a, or sorry, not high jump, um, pole vault 
uh, ramp and a jumping pit and everything. And they laid a- down like Mondo track uh, so they could have, but I don't think he ran over like, I don't know how long, but it can't be that long. The size of a hockey rink. Like yeah. they didn't have access to do a full 400 meter track to do some of the longer stuff, which is, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. And he went on to win the decathlon, not just win it. He became the fourth athlete to ever score over 9,000 points which is just absolutely incredible. He dominated the entire way. He had the lead after the first event, and he dominated the whole way through, and it was just such an amazing thing to watch. And he pretty much, I think, set either a personal best or they call it Olympic best because it's not the same Olympic records as, as the individual, but he set a lot of personal best and Olympic bests throughout the whole thing, and it was, it was incredible to watch and talk about peaking at the right time. No kidding. Um, I would say also just staying on the Canada... Canada train, um, the Canadian women kicked butt, like so many medals. Um, you know, obviously Damien was one of the few, one of the, one of the males that won and Andre de Grasse, but Canadian women really showed up and and took home a lot of medals. Yeah. From right from the get go, actually, I think our first six medals were from women or there was one, uh, Andre had had one in between, but, uh, I think first six out of seven were from, from females, which is a pretty incredible feet as is <laughs> yeah and i would say that uh on the on that side there's two canadian team sports that really stood out to me as uh as really great memories uh earlier on in the games you know canadian women's softball they went took a bronze first medal in canadian history and we actually had an olympic alternate to that team morgan rackle on way back <laughs> kids sport ambassador kids sport ambassador um and she chatted a lot about their preparation so i know i've been following them closely ever since we chatted with her because I was just so intrigued at how amazingly the team worked together and you could see it on the field. Oh, it was, they were so fun to watch. And I I remember tuning into that final and I'm trying to keep a pretty strict bedtime around these days, which was really hard to do with these events starting most of the time late at night. And, uh, but watching those women win the bronze medal in, in a, in a tight match, it was a really good game. And, and I I think I actually, this is embarrassing. I fell asleep on the final pitch because I was watching it in bed on my laptop. And the first thing I did when I woke up in the morning was like, (gasps) do they win? They won, right? Like just made sure, like, I just kind of assumed they had it in the bag. Um, but yeah, just having spoken to Morgan earlier on the podcast, so go go check back a couple weeks ago, we had her on and just talking about their preparation and what it meant. And she knew at that time she was kind of on the bubble of whether or not she, she'd be selected. And, and unfortunately, in most other Olympic years, the alternate would get to travel with the team, but because Tokyo limited the amount of athletes, but she, she, didn't, she did go to Tokyo, but she? she had to leave right before right. their event. Um, I saw on her Instagram because she was actually watching at trolley five for the csi calgary event so i was like oh she's back in town but so shout out morgan um you know and and go back and check that podcast out but she was one of the ones that pushed that team because she didn't make it and like she's the alternate but she talks about the team and how they banded together and Mm -hmm. i think it's no surprise no surprise at all um how about that canadian women's soccer medal (laughs) (laughs) honestly i get goosebumps just just thinking about it it's just I, I, I fangirl so hard on this team. I've been following them since I was 13 years old and Edmonton, uh, hosted the, the U18 world cup for women. And, uh, I, re- I remember my mom dropping me off at, at Commonwealth stadium and with some girls on my soccer team. And we would go for like eight hours a day. We would watch three games, um, stay all day. We got lunch money. I think we got 20 bucks each that so we could get a hot dog and a pop. And I would watch 
all these women play. And it's, it's crazy to me that that core group of women is still going, um, with the leader being Christine Sinclair and, uh, and just to watch them, you know, overcome so much adversity in London and get that bronze medal and then to come so close, but then snap the bronze again in 2016 and then to knock off the Americans in the semifinal, the heavy favorite, uh, I don't know if you read Megan Rapinoe's, uh, I did not No, She had some nice, not things to say. I really, yeah, I was a little disappointed in the way she lost that one, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Her quote was, I don't think I've ever lost to Canada. And she said it in that tone of voice. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I know they've had some bad blood over the years, but one I wanted to highlight, um, was, you know, we talk about inspiring the next generation and all this stuff. So, um, Christine Sinclair had a few notable moments. You know, she gave uh, Jesse Fleming the the kick in, I, guess, I think it was against the Americans. It was against the Americans. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people said, like, oh, why wouldn't she take it? And she said, she's on fire. I could tell, and I wanted her to do it because she made a leadership decision. But the one you talk about London 2012 was Julia Grosso, who scored the winning kick to win the gold medal. Um, and it says, this is a quote from Twitter, but the 11 year old who watched Christine Sinclair's performance for the ages at London, 2012, just scored the winning penalty for Canada to win Olympic gold. Some kid out there just watched Julia Grosso deliver and thought that's what I want to do. Marvelous. Mm -hmm. And I read that and I was like, that's so true. You know, this, I think Julia is 20 or 21 years old and she made the, made the winning kick and some kid out there is watching her going, I'm going to be that. So like really Christine Sinclair is by by you know she they handed it to the next generation a little bit i feel like with yeah. this win the yeah. torch has been passed the torch has been passed and what a career at 39 years old led the team to canada's first ever gold medal in 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 the olympics for sure uh for the women's soccer and not just, not just the first summer team sport to win olympic gold i think since like 1912 or something oh gosh, like that, that it was yeah. insane yeah Again, I wish we should have prepped that part, but yeah, but yeah, anyway, sorry, keep going. No, and it, it was funny. So, and just keeping on that soccer thing, Sweden women's team, who Canada had to pick off in the final, is an incredible, uh, they were the silver medalists from 2016. And, and <laughs> I, I knew they were a good team. They had beaten the Americans actually in the very first game of the tournament, uh, three nothing. And that, that woke everyone up. They're like, okay, Sweden is here. And, they, I know that Sweden was heavily favored going into the, that that gold medal match, and I remember speaking to some people I was with last weekend uh, who didn't really know much about Canadian women's soccer, and I was like, "Just you wait," and then they were like, "Well," and then we were actually talking about sports betting at the time, but they're like, "Well, do I bet on the girls?" And I was like, "You know what? Sweden's a better team, but uh, just just on paper, the with their their career winnings and and uh, they do have a lot of." talented players and and but if Canada can get to penalty kicks we're gonna win <laughs> because I don't know if you saw Stephanie Lave's Wikipedia page was immediately she's the goalie for Team Canada who made some incredible saves not just throughout the tournament but also uh, just legendary saves in whenever it went to penalty kicks and uh, somebody changed her Wikipedia bio to Minister of National Defense. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. I yeah. I, I liked that. Um, yeah, I mean it was just overall an incredible performance and how it felt so good to watch them stand on the top as a team and. 
I really like what Tokyo did, um, obviously because of COVID protocols and they're not having people awarding the medals, mm-hmm. is people, teams, it's a little harder, obviously, in individual sport, but the teams give it to each other. And I think there's one thing I want to stay in sport after the pandemic is that because like, you know, hockey did it um, at the world juniors and stuff. And I think it's so not to, you know, diss the, the people that normally do it. I don't know who they are, but like, it's, it's, it makes for such great TV and moments is like watching uh, the teammate beside you put it on Christine Sinclair or the teammate beside Christine Sinclair, put it around her neck, etc. I just, yeah, I fangirled pretty hard over, over that one i'm not even a big soccer fan no yeah i'm I'm a huge soccer fan just just women's soccer in particular is there a sport you're not a fan of that's true (laughs) that's that's very true we talk about a lot of sports um okay i think we turn to track a little bit track and field um and this isn't as much of a canadian lens as even though andre degrasse did that was a highlight he he killed it He's two never bron- two bronze in the 100 and the four by 100 and the gold medal in the 200. He's never entered an Olympic event that he has not won a medal at. <laughs> That's so crazy. Oh my gosh. I can't even. Um, but we need to talk about the 400 meter hurdles for both the men and the women. Just 400 meter hurdles has never been something that I would say, Oh, I can't wait for the 400 meter hurdles. But and it also what- looks painful. <laughs> yeah. But in, in my opinion, the 400 and the 800 are the most psychotic uh, events in track and field because they're like this weird distance where you're not like just running or you're not, but you're full out sprinting for basically a minute. And like, why would anyone do that to themselves? It sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. So on the men's side, we had a world record by Kirsten Warholm, um, who previously already set the world record in a diamond, I think a diamond league or something earlier this year. Yeah. And then he obliterated it at the Olympic games, which is just like, how much faster can you get? And so just to put this in perspective to people, what, and he, he's Norwegian, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's in Norwegian. Um, he ran 400 meters over hurdles in a time that would have put him 19th in the Olympics, this Olympics, if he didn't have the hurdles there. And he's going to run a diamond league after the games, a 400 meter flat, apparently. So I can't wait to see what that looks like and where he actually can place in that. Yeah. Just incredible. Um, And that, that one just, it blew up my social media. I don't know about yours, but that was seemed to be the thing that everyone was talking about. He was just, just next level like talk about someone being at the top of his game and surprising himself even he didn't even he ripped his his singlet off and was just like what just happened well and I like I had to feel for um I think uh, Benjamin um Ray Benjamin the American who was second he was he was obviously quite disappointed because I think he was heavily favored to also win a gold medal and I think he said like, I can't believe I ran. He ran a time that was under the previous world, record, the world as well. record as well. And yeah, I think the top through. three did. Yeah. And everyone in that event pretty much set a nation's best, personal best, or like was under the Olympic. In the final. Yeah. yeah. Almost everybody except for one person had either a season's best, personal best, or, or country's best. And, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you felt for him. I watched the interview and he was quite distraught and he just said, I can't imagine that I ran this fast and it wasn't good enough for me to get gold. gold. Um, and I mean, then they showed his family and they're like, we're so proud of you. And obviously he's like starting to tear up. It was quite a good interview. Um, but it was, you felt for him cause he's like, man, I just like obliterated his personal best as well. And mm-hmm. it wasn't good enough, but it was just insane. But, um, the women though, as well. Samuel McLaughlin did something very similar. Yeah. I, 
that I didn't follow that one as much, but uh, I know she was heavily favored to win, and she just blew it up as well. Yeah, no, they the that Canadian or the USA Same. American yeah. <laughs> USA women's yeah. uh, like four hundred team, and a lot of them ran in the in the relays as well. Yeah. They're quite quite strong. The um, yeah, and I mean, how about Allison Felix? Speaking of women's gonna, track I was and field, say, speaking of the four hundred, so Allison Felix, this was her fifth olympics now background on her she she's the, she's an incredible incredible american athlete um and she was a nike athlete and a couple uh i think her daughter is three now something, something around that yeah. yeah so in between the last two olympics she told the story that uh, she would do all her workouts at 5 a.m to make sure there would be no one else at the track that could film her because she had to hide her pregnancy and once Nike found out about her pregnancy, when it became too much that she couldn't hide it anymore, um, Nike null and void her contract with her and offered her a new contract. The contract was 30% less, and instead of bonuses, there were things that uh, lack of performance, kind of anti-bonuses, I guess, that Nike could take away some of her salary. And that just goes to show... Where, where kind of women in sport and why we've been facing so many barriers in these life and over the last couple of years, we've also been fighting to push to make it normalized that moms can still be sports, that dads can or still can be athletes and um, involved in the sport. So um, Allison Felix left Nike and she signed a two-year deal with a startup called Athleta. I've definitely heard of them by now. They're partly owned by Gap, if I remember I correct. So. They're tied somehow by a parent company. Yeah. And uh, she became... And Simone Biles is also one of their athletes. Yeah, go yeah. figure. And uh, she she was given a very fair contract. I don't know what the details of it were, but they definitely was more than what Nike was willing to do or just more of making a statement of how she was treated by Nike for choosing to become a mother. Um and uh, she returned to these Olympics and got her 10th and 11th medal. So the gold in the 4x100, then I think she got the bronze in the 400. Uh, yeah, 4x100. Four by four by 400. Yeah. yeah. She's a 400-meter runner. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, we're talking about a lot of the highlights involving medals, but we have to remember, like, as we said, like, making it to the Olympics, huge feat in mm-hmm. itself. You've been to the Olympics. you, you you know that um but we have a trio of canadian women who all had a commonality didn't medal they all placed fourth and they all had suffered some sort of ankle injury leading up into the build-up to tokyo so ellie black rosie mclennan and kaylee kaylee mckay um and kaylee is actually from calgary from what i've read and attended okay. the national sports school for a while before moving up to um montreal to train with the national team but ellie black she's a gymnast rosie mclennan trampoline you know two-time Olympic champion and was, you know, trying to go for the three-peat, but they all had suffered. Ellie's ankle injury, I think, was suffered during the games, and the other two were weeks right leading weeks, weeks yeah. leading up. And, you know, I also have to just say, like, I commend them. They had to give really tough – they had to go through the media zone, and we've talked about on past podcasts the pressures of a media zone and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, and they handled it with such grace. And obviously they're disappointed, but – um but they, they just, they put off the facade, like that was so good. And, you know, Rosie McLennan has done so much for sport in Canada and she's on the athletes commission for the COC mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And they were just the epitome of like, you know, when you don't meet your expectations necessarily, or, you know, they're talking about not, they didn't know if they were going to even be able to compete and coming mm-hmm. forth was a huge feat in that of 
not being able to walk, say, weeks before. So th- those trio of stories together, um, you know, you can look them up and follow them on social media. They had put out some really great posts about it. But mm-hmm. um, I was super proud of, of them for that. And, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a highlight for me on the Canadian side. Yeah, and sticking with, I mean, Feetson, again, the, I think speaking about celebrating athletes getting to the Olympics, I think this was one of the biggest things that um, kind of got brought up at the beginning of the Games, and that was Simone Biles withdrawing from the team event and most of her events. Now, Simone Biles is the American gymnast who um, uh, is considered the GOAT, the greatest of all time. She can do tricks that are so difficult that even if she didn't land them properly, she probably would still win because her degree of difficulty is so much different. Um, it, she, there's tricks that she's doing that, uh, and tricks, I'm sorry, um, maneuvers or whatever it is and whatever sport it is that, that m- most women haven't even attempted and she's destroying them. Yeah. Um, and she withdrew... Uh, based on, uh, she cited mental health. And we've talked about this a little bit before on a previous podcast with Naomi Osaka withdrawing from the French Open, um, citing mental health. And this was a very different mental health. And a lot of the scrutiny, of course, comes on from from social media and all these internet warriors. And a lot of people were discussing the two sides. And I did see the two sides of it, to be honest. You're supposed to be the best athlete of, of all time in your event and you're having an off day. So you withdraw because you're not going to win. And that's how some people chose to saw it, uh, or to see it. Sorry. And then there's the other side of it where you like a lot of people who are making these calls and they're sitting at home and they're, you know, I saw a meme of like a guy sitting watching a TV who is like 50 pounds overweight, covered with a bunch of garbage everywhere. And the meme yep. was, all oh, these athletes are garbage. They didn't even do a good job. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, you try and do what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think I saw a lot of scrutiny that said she let her team down. Mm-hmm. And I think she did the opposite. And I think it's actually similar to, we talked about Christine Sinclair having a leadership moment and giving the, the penalty kick to Jesse Fleming is mm-hmm. she made a call and she said, I'm, I'm not the best right now. Like I'm not at my best. And I think she thought that she would have cost them a medal Mm -hmm. and look at her team came out and won silver. And then she obviously withdrew from, I believe it was, I can't remember which individual event it was. Back to Simone you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Simone. Yeah. Um, and Suni Lee, her teammate ended up winning the gold Gold. medal. And I think that's a testament to like, she trusted in her team. And those that said that she, she let her team down, did not see her on the sidelines she had like her hands over her eyes. She's cheering she for them. Biggest cheerleader. So like, if anything, she took on a more leadership role and was like, again, passing the torch and saying, I'm not at my best and I don't think I'm going to win. So you have the chance because you have a better shot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a complicated issue. No. And I, I just want to give one more take on this because I feel like we can definitely move on from it. But um, the two sides I see is you want to put in, an athlete who's the greatest of all time and in, the, in their biggest moment and how they handle the pressure and whether or not they're going to crack. So let's give Tom Brady Super Bowl halftime. He had thrown a couple turnovers. Does he withdraw from the game? Like, you know what I mean? That, that was the, the argument that people made. I see that side. However, Simone Biles, when she is going to attempt these maneuvers that she has to do, she could get so seriously injured. It could, and her life, yet alone, um, like, like she risks breaking bones, beginning seriously injured, breaking her neck, 
Like she has to do. And I'll put myself in the same situation. I have to drive my sled sometimes of speeds upwards of 145 kilometers an hour. And I have been told by a coach that I needed to get back in the sled and go again when I was hysterically crying. Like I, I was in a really bad state of mind. And what happened on the next run? I crash. What happens? My brakeman got a serious concussion and had to mix the next week. Was that the smart play? Absolutely not. And, and I look back and I compare, you know, these athletes who are supposed to handle the pressure and be under and when you are not in the frame of mind, especially when you are attempting to do something that is incredibly dangerous, then the answer might have to be that you have to withdraw. And it's just a safety factor. It is not because you're worried about what the world's going to see, whether or not you're a medal winner or not. And and at the end of the day, the the rest of your life is more important than what might happen in the next situation. That's my take. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great, and I mean, I just encourage anyone to just, you know, Think about it before you go on social. We've talked about mental health and athletes, but we have social media too. Yeah. And Simone Biles has social media. She can see, I mean, whether she chooses to or not is, is up to the individual athlete. But uh, especially if you're tagging them in your, in your bad take. Um, yeah. yeah, that's just don't. Um, <laughs> moving on. I mean, talking about the greatest of all time gymnast. Let's talk about the most decorated Olympian in Canadian history, Penny Alexiak. 21 years old, and she is the most decorated Canadian athlete uh, or Olympic athlete in history. Uh, and, and what a game she had. Three medals, I think one gold, two bronze. If I, and uh, my, favorite, my favorite post that she put out was, I just Googled my name and, and most decorated Olympic athlete came up. And I just wanted to shout out that teacher who told me I should not stop focusing on swimming so much because it's not going to take me anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And uh, how do you upstage your brother, Jamie Alexiak, NHL hockey player, just signed a massive contract with Seattle Kraken weeks yeah. leading into the games. Yeah. Um, I have that it's a five-year, $23 million contract. And she goes out and like... Yeah, he got that, and it was literally yeah. like three or four days later that she had to go and be like, okay, yeah. watch this. Hold yeah, <laughs> so like, yeah. I mean, what a talented family, mm-hmm. um, but she she totally upstaged him. I saw yeah. some tweets, I was like, wait, is he Penny Alexiak's brother? And I find a lot of times um, you've seen this with female athletes is, you know, if someone's husband or something is in the NFL or like plays yeah. a pro sport. They're like, Oh, it's so-and-so's wife is in the Olympics. And you're like, no, she has a name. Yeah. And so I found it interesting that they like reversed it and they're like, is that, is that, um, Alexiak guy, Penny Alexiak's brother? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, finally it's, it's going both ways. This is equality, but yeah. yeah, incredible. And she's talking about that. She could go to one or two more games too. For sure. And she was such an incredible leader. Um, just being on that relay team, I think she was the second oldest girl on the team with the oldest being 22 uh and with summer walker being the 14 year old summer mcintosh McIntosh, sorry um gosh i should have wrote that name down (laughs) um and just and just the the capacity that she showed to just be such a good leader and and coaching those girls and and cheering them on and 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 coming up big when they needed to and it's just she's so fun to watch and she's just an incredible incredible athlete and hoping that she definitely continues to have a long and lucrative career and hopefully i mean i know penny struggled a lot she's been very open about her, some of her struggles injury struggles and mental struggles mm-hmm. and she had chatted with michael phelps a lot mm-hmm. in the last few years and i really hope that also she can share with the rest of the team you know her learnings um because she was summer Mac- in summer mcintosh's shoes mm-hmm. you know in the last olympics and hopefully they can kind of 
she can be a leader in that women's team and and show them and they can keep building that camaraderie but yeah I mean women's swimming killed it um and we have a few others I think I'm looking over at your list well I want to know Grace of all the new events that came what was your favorite okay um you know I actually really liked surfing I watched and it was like (laughs) the the because it's so unpredictable as well but like the there's two people in the water and they have a time limit. And then like there was the priority. So then like you had a priority on a wave, but then if you didn't take it and, and someone else could took steal it, your priority. they could steal the priority. And I was yeah. like, man, like tactics. Plus then you have to go and do the trick. And I was just so in, in amazed by like what they could do yeah. on. I mean, I've, I've seen surfing. I've, I've done a very small amount of surfing on baby, baby waves yeah. in Hawaii, but um, to see them, let alone it was like when a typhoon or something was rolling in and the waves oh my gosh, were it was huge. pouring rain and the waves were just massive in the final. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I also really enjoyed the climbing, um, especially the bouldering portion. Um, I just found it really interesting and how they work together and, you know, it's a new Olympic sport and to see that come in right away with that, mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't go away as they like grow as an Olympic sport, but, um, you know, to see them like helping each other and like thinking about the best way to do it was, was really interesting. And also just like, it's a crazy dynamic. They're holding on by like one finger, like on like one thing. And I'm like, how, like, it's just insane. Um, I know. Okay. Well, I'll ask you, I know what the answer is, but what was your favorite new Olympic sport? (laughs) I was already (laughs) fangirling hard about it. Skateboarding. Oh my gosh. Watching the skateboarding. And the thing I loved the most about it was the atmosphere that these athletes created. Um, I, I watched most recently was the, the street final. So there, there was, or the, sorry, the park final where the street final was the first week and like watching these athletes cheer each other's on their competitors and they're cheering each other on from the sideline. And, um, someone had a chance to go last and he, he missed on one of his last tricks that actually probably could have won him, moved him from a fourth to third medal. And, uh, the guys ran down into the, into the bowl and like put him up on his shoulders and were celebrating him. It was just such an incredible, um, atmosphere to see. And, and the men's in particular, Pedro Barros, he was the oldest one there at 26 and he's got his, his ear pods in and he was like doing this little dance, like at the top before his thing, just getting himself psyched up for his last run. And, uh, this is the part that I love the most was the women's was I was fangirling so hard on these, um, these women and they're not, and they're not women. I can't even call them. They're girls. Uh, Sky Brown was a British athlete, 13 years old, with the bronze medal, uh, Kokona Hiraki is 12 years old and she won the silver. And then can you so- imagine, sorry, just being an Olympic medalist before you can even operate a motor vehicle. 12 years old. <laughs> at 12 years old. I don't know what you were doing at 12, but I was not oh, even close to being that good gosh, of an athlete. being that good. At, and the tricks that they were attempting, it was just, it was incredible to watch. And, and like, obviously the future of this sport is just going to explode now, knowing that they can be this good from this young. And these girls, I assume, are going to have many, many Olympics going ahead of them and, uh, that was one of the ones that I just, I, I, I think I couldn't pick my job off the floor. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, okay. I mean, we're, we're running really long, um, because there are so many great moments. Um, I mean, every Canadian medal has its own story. I would say like, go look them up, go follow those athletes on social media, amplify their voices. Um, 
Oh, I do want to touch on one more. Okay. Well, I mean, okay, you touch on that one. I got one more after that, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay, over to you about (laughs) um, some sort of water sport. (laughs) So this was uh, a shoot, uh, their canoe, right? Oh my gosh, I should have. Yes, yeah, canoe. Because yeah, one, C one. Yes. So they're in that half kneel, and they like yeah, in the half kneel. Um, and uh, Laurence Vincent Lapointe and. If you followed her story, she's an eight-time world champion, and she was one of the driving forces. Uh, she's from Trois-Rivières, Quebec. And to, to, to get this to be an Olympic sport, because it was for the men, but it wasn't for the women. It's crazy how long it's been. Mm-hmm. And same with um, the, what is it, the rapid one. Yeah. <laughs> Words are hard. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, that, it was incredible that and she got silver and they, they asked her, if she was disappointed. And she said like, I've waited her entire life to even be an Olympic event. So to be an Olympic medalist when previously, when previously, you know, she couldn't even go to an Olympics before she was quite happy with it. And not to mention she was involved in a doping scandal leading into that, that she had to fight so hard. Um, she had just such a small amount of something that they actually linked it to, um, transferring uh, from her boyfriend who had it in his supplement. So um, it was a completely unintentional thing that almost cost her her dream that she helped kind of create. And then she already, uh, I think she said she was going to retire now, the happy, and she's retiring with two medals because her and her partner, uh, Katie Vincent, in the C2 event, uh, the 500 meter, I believe it was, uh, got a bronze medal and they celebrated in fashion. They were so excited when they crossed the finish line, they actually tipped <laughs> and fell in and, and had they, to get rescued. They said that the seawater didn't taste very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to end off with a couple and then they're Canadian Canadians. And it was actually just North of Tokyo in Sapporo. Um, so they ran the race walk and the marathon events North of Sapporo. Cause apparently Tokyo was going to be too hot. And they also ran these ones. I think they started at like four or 5 a.m. Super early. Super yeah. early and super incredible. So um, Melindy Elmore, who went to the Athens Olympics, retired, had a family, you know, got married and ended up coming back. And she placed 17 years later. Yeah. And she placed ninth in the marathon. Um, super amazing. And what then a story. Yeah. What a story. And I think uh, she I don't think I saw her tweet. So she came down the uh down instead of going through the middle of the finish line to make for a good photo she was like right up on the rail so like to her far right and she retweeted the photo and said next time i run under the olympic banner i'm gonna run more under the middle and someone retweeted it was like next time and she like why not um but i'm gonna say evan dunphy so he placed fourth there was you know you can you can follow his story on on what happened at the real olympics but he ended up being fourth and you know, he's been walking around Vancouver and Richmond race walking for the last year during lockdown and people have been honking and like cheering for him. And he ended up getting a bronze medal, which is super incredible. He was like fifth or sixth and going into the last lap. They did this one in laps and he ended up passing two guys and got a bronze medal. And, you know, he's one of the first people to look at as well. I like I follow him on Twitter and he's always super vocal about the IOC, about Canadian sport supporting athletes and he also the night before his race was recounting Pierce Lepage and Damian Warner's decathlon results and talking about oh he's on pace to do this and you know all this stuff and Damian Warner shouted at him out and was like 
yeah, that guy, like the night before his race was talking about our results on Twitter. <laughs> so that to me was another awesome one. Um, I guess like my closing message is that like, you know, the Olympics might be over, but like these athletes, you know, it's every day, every minute as, as we know, it's so like follow them, amplify their voices. It's going to help support sport and support Canadian sport and, and overall international sport, you know, not all of our moments are Canadian, but mm-hmm. just cause the Olympics are over. doesn't mean like your support for them has to be. I like that message, Grace. It's a good one. Uh, yeah, and just uh, incredibly proud of these Cana- this Canadian team. And uh, I feel like sometimes I'm too invested in their success. And and uh, but it, for what they did, based on the circumstances and what they had to go through, uh, it's just an incredible feat. And really proud of them. And it's it's nice that we can we can be celebrating some success here at the end. Yeah, totally. I right, let's leave it at that. And three more years till Paris I think it is yeah they all have a quick turnaround and uh and winter is coming up real quick so six months who's counting (laughs) (laughs) anyways that's our Olympic wrap-up um yeah hope you enjoyed and check the athletes out we mentioned thank you so much for tuning in to the Paris first podcast